Stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome back to Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchioni. We uh, we had a little bit of a break last week, uh, John, uh, where we we were able to run an interesting uh, interview with with Dorian Abbott. But uh, we're back in full force today. But we've got two weeks of material to cover here, so we'll have to uh, we'll have to try to jam in as much as we can. And and the administrative state has been busy making our life difficult. So. Uh, but uh, shortly after the, the show two weeks ago, we had a tremendous victory uh, in the First Circuit that just because of the timing here, uh, we haven't had a chance to, to talk about uh, yet. And I think, I think we should lead off uh, with that. The name of the case is Harper v. Reddig. Uh, James Harper is NCLA's uh, client, and Charles Reddig uh, is the uh, commissioner of the IRS. And so he was, we were suing him in his official capacity uh, and we've talked about this case uh, before on the program. For those who, who, who might remember or who haven't been following, uh, the, the short version of events is that James Harper has been an investor in cryptocurrency. And the IRS uh, decided not, not just to go after Mr. Harper. I think they went after, was it 10,000, John? Do you remember? It, it was a lot like of that. people. A lot of people. They sent these letters saying, hey, we suspect that maybe you haven't paid all your taxes. And so... Uh, we're obtaining records from your uh, from your cryptocurrency broker, or I think already have obtained records from your cryptocurrency broker. And Mr. Harper saw, got this letter and said, wait a minute, uh, they can't just go and, and obtain records. And besides which, I have paid all my taxes. So that this is just a suspicionless search that they're uh, that they're doing. So we uh, we sued on his behalf uh, in the uh, United States District Court for the District of New Hampshire. Uh, we lost that uh, case at the trial level and we had appealed it up to United States Court of Appeals for the First Circuit. And uh, good news, John, a three-judge panel of the First Circuit unanimously ruled in Harper v. Reddick that, uh, that James Harper can take the Internal Revenue Service to federal court uh, for gathering uh, his private financial information uh, without a lawful subpoena. Now, they haven't... And, and, and the reason the IRS says they don't have to do that is the IRS always uses the Anti-Injunction Act. And it always says that this act, which is supposed to stop you from suing the IRS about how much money you owe it until you pay the money. Right. Right. So that's really what it's supposed to do. To protect the Treasury, which apparently isn't important today, given uh, (laughs) what President Biden did this week with student loans. But I digress. And so so they always raise this. It's a pet peeve of mine. I had a Wall Street Journal article about it. But no matter what you sue them, if you sue them that... uh, that uh, some IRS agent rolled over your foot, I think they'd use this. I mean, it is unbelievable. So this is really an important case and a good case that every time you sue the IRS, they don't get to stop your suit because you're taking money from the Treasury because often you're not. They do other bad things. Right. And in this case, clearly he wasn't taking it from the Treasury because he was saying, look, I've already paid my taxes, but you still can't have information about my private financial records without, uh, you know, without paying attention to the Fourth Amendment, right? You have to, it has to be a reasonable search. There has to be probable cause. 
The IRS didn't have any of those things. Their probable cause was he owns cryptocurrency. And that was they were claiming that was enough to to suspect that he hadn't paid his taxes. Well, I'm sorry, that doesn't go far enough. You have to you have to have more than that. Uh, but the the U.S. Supreme Court had quite helpfully uh, uh, in May of 2021, between when we lost in the district court and when we filed. The. Junction Act a little bit and 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 making it clear, uh, in fact, that I. Uh, the IRS. And by the way, John, I think that that is indicative of a lot of what we see here at NCLA, that something gets up to the Supreme Court and they'll say, well, the easy case would stands up or another federal agency stands up and says, oh, we can do this and throws their weight around. The federal judiciary has way too much propensity to just roll over and accept that. Thankfully, here we've gotten up to the First Circuit, and I guess I should uh, I guess I should give some some credit to to judges uh, like Kayada, Lipez, and, and Gelpi. And I'm I'm confident I've botched at least one of those pronunciations, <laughs> and possibly all three. But uh, uh, but and congratulations to our colleague uh, Rich Samp, uh, who argued that case uh, at the First Circuit and and did a fantastic job on the briefs. And and you know it is an example of how. No good deed goes unpunished because the Anti-Injunction Act was put in for a reason. It was put in to take care of a specific problem. It has uh, some power when you when someone you the IRS comes at you and says you owe us forty thousand dollars, for instance, when they give you a number and tell you why, and you have to pay that until you uh, 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 and then you can challenge it. But but that simple idea has now been expanded by the administrative state, by the IRS, by the agency to cover everything on earth. And the courts have to push back. And you're right, the district courts apparently don't want to do that. You really have to go up to appeal. So think of how much effort that takes. It takes, uh, it takes tremendous effort. Uh, I mean, just this case is a good example of how much has been invested. I mean, this is not the kind of thing Mr. Harper would have been able to afford to do on his own without an organization like NCLA to come uh, to bat uh, for him. Uh, this, uh, I, I think even someone brave enough to go to the district court probably would have given up at the point where they lost at the district court and were told that they that they weren't allowed uh, to bring the suit. Now, I should haste to add that the merits of this question have not been determined yet. It has not been determined whether or not this was an unreasonable search. All that was determined, we were kicked out at the district court uh, stage saying that he couldn't even bring the suit. He couldn't even sue the IRS uh, over this. Uh, as John said, uh, under the Anti-Injunction Act. And that's the piece that the First Circuit has thrown out and said, no, 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 you can sue. So that means we'll get some discovery now. We'll be able to, to go forward with a discovery plan. We'll, we'll find out perhaps how widespread this practice uh, has been, how often they've done it, what information they got about uh, Mr. Harper, uh, which we can find out exactly which cryptocurrency broker they obtained the information from. Uh, we can find out how hard they had to work to get that information from the cryptocurrency broker. There's all kinds of pieces of information potentially uh, that, that we could uh, obtain uh, in discovery. And, uh, and I won't lay that all out uh, here for strategic reasons, among others. Uh, but, uh, but we'll get that information in discovery and we'll be able to go to the merits and find out 
uh, from the judge whether or not uh, this was a reasonable search. And that, uh, you know, I don't know if the Supreme Court would say that one's a cinch, but I think it's pretty obvious that this was a suspicionless search. So it'll be interesting to see how the government tries to defend what it did here. And particularly if they just want to say that if you invest in this type of uh, investors in a certain type of uh, security or or good or service or whatever they invest in, that they have a propensity to dodge taxes. I mean, that's a pretty hard road to hoe right there. I mean, and and um, so just because it's called crypto doesn't mean, you know, they gave it that name, but it doesn't mean that anyone who invests in it uh, is avoiding their taxes. It's just, it's a terrible, it's a terrible thing for an agency to just say about people. What if you do gold, right? There are all these gold bugs. I've met tons of them. And they're not avoiding all oh, those taxes. people hate the Federal Reserve. Right. They, exactly. They, <laughs> not, and, and so the, the thing is, the thing is, so you can have all these stereotypes, but what do you then have warrantless searches of everybody? Could you suspect them of not liking your agency? That's not a good. That's not a good look. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'd say, if, uh, uh, as I said, when the decision came down, John, it's sort of a good news, bad news month for the IRS because they're going to get these 86,000 new agents to go uh, harass only people making over $400,000. We're, we're told that color me skeptical on that. Uh, but now at least there is a uh, courtesy of the Supreme Court and now the First Circuit's ruling uh, individual taxpayers will be able to to sue the IRS and its new agents uh, when it tramples their constitutional rights. And the, re- and the fact that it won't be just people over 400,000 is the money because what you just said about how hard it is to fight the IRS well, you you go up to someone who pays under sixty thousand uh, dollars, or earns less than sixty or seventy thousand, and you tell them they owe you five hundred bucks. They're going to pay up rather than fight you. They're going to find the money somewhere and pay you. Whereas if you go after Bill Gates, Bill Gates is going to make sure he only pays the taxes he's owed. Right? right? He's not going to he's not going to let the IRS get away with a lot. But and he's got the disposable income to waste on lawyers and, and, if he wants to. Correct, correct, and that is really what goes on here because they now have the agents, they have the lawyers, and that uh, stickiness of the fact that you have to pay attorneys is what makes that gives them a lot of power to get people to just give up. Riddle me this, John. Why are why are we uh, why did we just spend? I don't know what the final total was on this last spending bill, but the one that included all the potential IRS agents, it's hundreds of millions of dollars of spending to bring these new billions. agents on. Billions of dollars in order to uh, in order to bring these new agents on, partly because they said we're losing all this revenue. We want all this revenue. And then within the same month, we give away $300 billion on student student well, loan debt giveaway. Well, I nearly said billions in my Dr. Evil voice, but, uh, <laughs> but, or, or I should do Carl, S- Carl, Carl Sagan, right? Yeah. But um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a politician. I, I think that. Um, but you play one on the radio. Yeah, exactly. But I, I do think, I, I do think that uh, all this budgetary and, and particularly, I, you know, we we're in here in DC and we hear all about inflation. I can't, Think of one thing anyone's doing anywhere to say, okay, what do we do to stop inflation? And what is inflation? How do we do it? And we have all these agencies that are tasked with that, but that's not what they're doing. They're doing no. stuff like this. Yeah, they'd rather they'd rather come after people like uh, James Harper, who's minding his own business and investing in uh, in, in uh, cryptocurrency through third party virtual currency exchanges uh, that have a contractual obligation to safeguard his private information from unlawful government intrusion. Uh, and apparently they didn't do that. And somebody might be inclined to sue uh, one of the cryptocurrency exchanges for, for 
uh, you know, not protecting his private information. Uh, Mr. Harper came to us and said, you know, I, I think the government is the one who really should be put in its place here. They should stop stop doing what they're doing. And if we can prevail in this suit, John, I think the IRS will stop doing this. Welcome back to Administrative Static, and uh, I want to talk about a case that came out August 12th out of this, the uh, United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. As uh, our listeners know, we have a number of cases with uh, fishers who are burdened by NOAA and uh, the other agencies that govern them, commerce and marine fisheries, um, with regulations that are not uh, authorized by statute. And one of the cases that was brought, not by us, but by um, my colleagues and, and uh, another nonprofit with them, um, Eric Bolander and Ryan Mulvey, and they brought a case called Loper Bright Enterprises uh, versus Gina Raimondo. She's the head of, she was the Secretary of Commerce. And uh, it was all about whether or not the fishers had to pay for the monitors who were on their boats. Now, at, we Sounds have, like a familiar issue. Yes, we have the relentless case, but we have we have um, our clients are out of Rhode Island and have a different mode of fishing. So there's some issues that are in our case that aren't in Loper Bright, but there are others that are. And um, their their uh, their plaintiffs were all out of New Jersey, but it's the same it's the same fisheries that they they go after by and large. And the DC's the lower court in Loper Bright had said, oh, you know what? They're given control over fish, and I'm boiling it down. They said, "Oh, look, all those agencies have control over the fisheries. They can, they totally have the statutes clear. Statutes clear. They have the power to charge for these monitors, right? And that's the opinion in uh, in D.C. And here's the thing: I, if district court judges uh, defer in D.C., they defer even more. When an agency comes to them, I mean, it, it's a matter of it's a matter of oh, we're in D.C. Our our job is to protect the uh, administrators, not the people being administered. This is a company town. And a company the company town. is the federal bureaucracy. No question. But I have to say, I have to say, uh, you get up to the appellate court and they do tend to take a little time. And the judges here were Srinivasan, Rogers, and Walker. And it was a two-to-one decision. And Srinivasan and Rogers looked at this. They looked at the district court opinion and they said, this isn't clear at all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm boiling it down. They went through the whole thing. They said, well, wait a minute. You're allowed to do this in Alaska, the Pacific fisheries. That that's there. I see that statute. That's clear, yeah. And you're allowed to do this to foreign vessels. That's clear. It says I can read that. And um, also you have these things called laps where you can do something like this. Um, but that's capped at 3%. And then on the other hand, they are allowed to put in monitors. That's clear. But I really can't find the statute that says you're allowed to charge for these monitors. And I'm I'm looking, and uh, Srinivasan, who's a very careful judge, I mean, he rarely leaves anything out. 
And he goes through all the statutory um, backing that the agencies have claimed for this. And he says, I'm sorry, fellas, this is not clear at all. Uh, I can't I can't find where in the statute it says, yes, you can charge the fishers for this. But this isn't a major question. So he then cites Michigan versus EPA, which had just come out, which we've talked about, which says any major question you have to, it has to be very clear or, or uh, you know, they're not, the, the Supreme Court's not gonna assume that the agencies have that power, boil it down what it is. He says, this isn't a major question. This is fisheries. It doesn't cover that many people. He says, so I'm, I'm gonna put that aside. I don't think that's there, which um, that doctrine's developing. So I'm not gonna do, do a big fight over that, but that's fair. He noted it. He noted it had just come out. It's not a clearly wrong. View. Right, exactly. It's not a clearly wrong view, but it goes on. But, and here I think Srinivasan and some of the appellate court judges really wanna know what's going on with Chevron. Because the DC circuit loves Chevron. It loves deference to the agencies and it wants to keep it. And then there's other judges and other circuits who hate it and want to get rid of it. And it's being narrowed and all this. I, I think, Mark, that Srinivasan's one of these guys who's just daring him. He's just, just tell me what him. to do. Tell me what to do. I yeah. want to use it and I'm going to use it until you stop me, but I'm going to use it the way you said to use it, right? He right. went through the whole thing. He did not, he did not, um, uh, pull any fast ones. Right. No he, shortcuts. No shortcuts. So uh, so he goes through the whole thing and he says, no, you're wrong, district court. This thing is not uh, very clear and it's not. But you know what we have? We have Chevron. And Chevron says- The white horse. Uh, yes. or the uh, man on a white horse. The, the, the president on a white horse riding to the rescue here. Uh, and we defer to the agencies um, as long as there's a reasoned explanation for why it's there and it's kind of a, and, and, and it's a reasonable interpretation of the statute. And so we believe that this is a reasonable interpretation of this statute. And um, he goes through, again, implicit delegation, a lot of other things. I mean, it, it, I'm not going to go through it all here, but it, it's a, it's a but worth, worth a read if you're interested right. in this area it's, of the law. It's, it's a very craftsmanlike um, uh, opinion. It, I believe we don't we well, want to say he was the most qualified right. judge so, for the Supreme Court. Not me. I would never say that because, you know, I might want to work at Georgetown sometime. Anyway, but what, well, he is a Kansan, <laughs> so he has that going for him. So anyway, it's it's on Chevron uh, and how you do it. I think it's it's done properly. And he's daring the Supreme Court, I think. And I think he's going to do this a lot. I think we're going to see him do this a lot because he's going to find cases where, OK, this is ambiguous. And, and it's not a major question. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the other thing. So yeah. he's a smart guy and he knows what he's doing. And that's what he did. But gloriously, uh, Circuit Judge Walker dissented. And I'm just going to read. Uh, and he he he's found exactly what we're arguing in Relentless and what uh, what uh, cause of, the former cause of action people, Americans for Prosperity, argued for their clients um, that, look, did Congress authorize the National Marine Fisheries Service to make herring fishermen in the Atlantic pay the wages of federal monitors who inspect them at sea? Congress unambiguously did not. And this is the Magnuson-Stevenson Act. It balances the point of the Magnuson-Stevenson Act is to keep fish in the sea and keep fishermen working. OK, those two things are and they actually say that there's like national standards, like seven and eight. And it basically says, don't burden the fishermen. Do what you have to to make sure that not too many fish are taken. And that is the conflict here. But there's a lot of protections for fishermen in 
the Magnuson-Stevenson Act. And one of them is how much you charge. There's tons of places in the Magnuson-Stevenson Act where they say you can't have a burden of more than 3% for this sort of thing or 2.5% or of, of this. I mean, Congress is, has kind of detailed it. Um, and, and, a, and I'd say, uh, would it be fair to say that Congress has, has detailed it in a, in a very, uh, uh, not just specific way, but in a sensitive Correct. To, to the needs of the industry way. Correct. And that's why they allow more of it in the Pacific, you know, the most dangerous catch, because those are the, that's the most um, capital intensive and also the most profitable fishery in America. Sure. Right. High value fishery. Right. You've got the snow crabs. You've got all things that it, it takes a lot. Herring is, you know, herring is not a very valuable uh, per herring. Not too much. So in any event, so he's he he then says, um, he goes through the statute. Well, if you could pay the government, it's 3% in herring, it'd probably be okay. <laughs> Barter. <laughs> um, and he says, I would reverse the judgment of the district court because the Magnuson-Stevenson Act unambiguously does not authorize the fishery service to force the fishermen to pay the wages of federally mandated monitors. And that's exactly what's going on here. We argue in the relentless case that these, these monitors don't do anything for the fishermen. It's not like they're doing something like um, safety test. Safety tech. They're not doing anything that benefits the ship or the, or the crew or anything like that. They're doing it because the government owns the fisheries and runs the fisheries and it, and it helps them. They're not checking the lifeboats. No, exactly. So, so what's happened here is, um, and then Walker goes through it and he does a uh, masterclass in how the constitution works. Agencies are creatures of Congress. So I have no authority apart from what Congress bestows. You can't really argue with that. That is a true statement uh, under the Constitution. Tons of U.S. Uh, Supreme Court cases, tons of D.C. Circuit cases. That's just the way the world is. Not a controversial statement. Not a controversial statement. So he goes through um, how the statute works, how Chevron works, and why doesn't he find ambiguity? Because he doesn't think that you can find ambiguity by silence. The fact that Congress didn't say that they had this power can't make it ambiguous whether they have this power or not, which I also think is an elemental proposition. But I want to... Well, it's um, crucially important because if, if agencies have whatever power Congress doesn't say they have, or doesn't, or, or if Congress, as long as Congress hasn't said they don't have that power, they have the power, boy, you're in a much different world there in terms of how much power agencies right. have. The administrative agency has to show where it got the power, not you show why it doesn't have it. That, that is, and he says that as well. So I also, the logic of the fishery services argument could lead to strange results. Could the agency require the fishermen to drive regulators to their government offices if gas gets too expensive? Having agency officials at work may be appropriate for, quote, management of the fishery, yet I doubt the Congress meant to allow the free fishermen chauffeurs. <laughs> so, um, and, I, and I think that's, that's true because what Congress... Well, they are chauffeuring the agents around on the water. That's yeah. essentially what this program is. But Congress is. said you have to do that. It yeah. says you have, and he points that out. It says you must carry the monitors. That's all it, That's says. All it says. So um, he also has, I, I want to get this in before uh, our period's over. He says, fishing is a hard way to earn a living. And Congress can make profitable fishing even harder by forcing fishermen to spend a fifth of their revenue. And that's a big problem here. It's 20% of their revenue while these guys are on the boat. And all the other congressional amounts allowed to charge fishermen are way below that. Um, so a fifth of their revenue on wages of federal monitors embedded by regulation on their, onto their ships. And he has a footnote to support that fishing's hard. And he quotes The Old Man in the Sea by Hemingway, Herman Melville's Moby Dick, uh, The Perfect Storm, 
uh, the movie Billy Joel, Down Easter, Alexa, his song, <laughs> The Deadliest Catch. Letter well, I'm on the uh, Easter, How about Alexa. this one? Letter from Vincent Van Gogh to Theo Van Gogh <laughs> on May 16th, 1882. And in our letter to the First Circuit, we said, and we should add CODA to that list. That's right. So um, I, I thought that Walker's opinion is very good. I disagree with Srinivasan, but I think that if you want to see how to do Chevron, um, that's how you do it. I'd go take a look at it. But obviously, this will come up. Um, Maybe we'll, someone else will take a look at it. Yes. We'll be arguing the relentless case in September. And I'm sure that... Um, and we will be back in a little bit, but uh, I do recommend that. We like getting a trigger to put on that. Topic.